Good evening, everyone. Welcome once again to Trad Queen Story Hour. I'm so excited to see you guys all here once again. And I again have this evening sunlight on my right side that will disappear shortly. Looks like the sun's about to go down. I should probably get some, um, some light blocking curtains for the office, but haven't done that yet. So we're just going to have to work with it. Thank you guys all so much for joining me tonight. I'm trying very hard to be high energy this evening. It wasn't really working earlier, um, but hopefully I'm able to get some of that energy as we go through tonight. We have some interesting stories to talk about. We're going to talk about Brett Favre, which is not a topic I have ever discussed on any live stream ever because I don't ever get into the sports stuff, but we're not talking about sports tonight. We're talking about Brett's take on the Tucker Carlson debacle and on what he thinks viewers should do with Fox. It's not very nice. We're going to talk about Tucker's plans for the future. We're going to talk about how the DHS is currently framing conservatives. Uh, it's not positive. Might surprise you. Um, we're also going to revisit what the FBI thought about Catholics and kind of look at what the Catholic Church has been doing lately. And then if we have time, we're going to get into the Biden crime family because that's always exciting. Uh, we're going to talk about what the Wall Street Journal thinks about Biden's comments about his son. My poll today is about Hunter Biden because he is turning into more and more of a problem for Joe Biden. My question was, will Hunter Biden be the thing that takes down the Biden administration? 19% of you guys said yes. 43% said no, and 38% said part of it. I'm inclined to agree that it will be part of it. Probably not all of it, but then we're also going to look at Joe Biden's approval ratings because those have fallen off a cliff, and we'll look at when it crossed over from positive to negative. But first, we are going to retweet Andy here. Tonight, Biden DHS labels ordinary conservatives as potential terrorists. Everyone is shocked by this. We are not at all shocked. And we're going to uncover exactly why we're not shocked. This is definitely a pattern for them. Nothing could possibly have surprised me less. Thank you very much, Andy, for tweeting. I appreciate it. Let's get right into it. So this first story, I personally found kind of depressing. So I have a very simple philosophy when it comes to people who are very, very misled. Uh, I apply it to women my age who are clearly misled by feminism. And I also apply it to young Democrats because the Washington Free Beacon is telling us that there is something wrong with young Democrats. The kids are not okay. Now, this doesn't surprise any of us here in this chat. It certainly doesn't surprise me. Um, I'd be surprised. I would be. I would be surprised if there was anyone in the chat right now who found this shocking. Um, let's read a little bit. Young Democrats are abnormally nervous, depressed. <laughs> bisexual, and eager to defund the police, according to a new poll from the Harvard Kennedy School of Politics. The poll asked respondents between the ages of 18 and 29 how often they'd experienced a certain emotion or problem over the past two weeks, and the results among young Democrats were rather shocking. Here's how young Democrats reported feeling at least several days over that two-week period. 61% report feeling nervous, anxious, or on edge. Oh, 57% said they had trouble relaxing. 55% said they felt unsafe. 52% reported feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. 49% said they felt little interest or pleasure in doing things. This just sounds like depression. 47% said they experienced loneliness. 46% reported feeling afraid as if something awful might happen. 27% said they had entertained thoughts that they would be better off dead or thoughts of hurting themselves in some way. That does not seem very healthy. And in case you were wondering, yes, those numbers were significantly smaller among young Republicans. Despite feeling nervous and unsafe all the time, nearly four in 10 young Democrats said they support, quote, defunding police departments and their communities. Nearly one in three said police officers make them feel less safe. Other noteworthy findings include the following. 32% said they regularly they regularly use TikTok. Okay, so there's part of our problem for news and current event related content compared with 21% of young Republicans. 32% still isn't a majority, so I'm happy to hear that. 25% said they disagree with the statement, I would rather live in America than in any other place. Compared with 10% of young Republicans, just 49% of Democrats agree with the statement compared with 71% of GOP respondents. 
11% said they are neither employed nor enrolled in students enrolled as students compared with 6% of young Republicans. So they're overall less gainfully employed in any like any undertaking. They're not in school and they're not working. That is depressing. It really is. That's hard. I get it. 11%. Yep, just 72% of young Democrats identified as heterosexual or straight compared with 89% of young Republicans. 22% of young Democrats identified as gay, 2%, lesbian, 4%, bisexual, 10%, or other, 6%, I don't know what other is, I'm kind of concerned about that, compared with 7% of young Republicans. Bottom line, a significant chunk of the Democratic base is comprised of nervous Nellies who are most likely mentally ill and get most of their news from TikTok and other social media apps. Politics aside, a significant chunk of young Americans are mentally ill worrywarts who are glued to their phones. That does not seem like a recipe for success. So I appreciate that this um, article from the Free Beacon is relatively brief. That's fine. I'm going to move my computer up here. But at the same time, I think that they could show a little bit more compassion. Uh, not really something that conservatives are really well known for, but I think it's really necessary here because it's very clear at this point that Democrats, especially young Democrats, are really struggling. And I feel like there's certainly room for some empathy because they're having a hard time. They probably don't know why. They feel lonely. They feel uncomfortable. They feel anxious and they feel like the world would be better off without them. That's just really sad. Um, and remember the other day when I was talking about how all of this anger and hatred we hear about is typically, or the hatred that ends up being directed at us is typically a cover for sadness and loss. And I think this really demonstrates that because these people are very, very sad, very lonely, and feel like they don't even deserve to be alive. That's kind of soul crushing, right? So I feel like we should try to exercise a little bit of empathy when we're faced with these young people who just drive us nuts sometimes, right? Um, these people are 18 to 29, so they're a little bit younger than I am. But at the same time, I think that... Um, I don't know. It's very easy for us to just despair of younger generations, but we need to remember that these are going to be the people who are shape shaping our country and deciding our policy in just a few years. And we need to recognize that we have to connect with them. We have to communicate with them. Stuart, thank you, sir, for your super chat. Says a little more for Andy's Cheeto fund. Still joking, mate. Appreciate that, Andy. Stuart has been giving you money for Cheetos. So I'm hoping you're enjoying your snacks over there in California. I'm not sure, but I suspect that Cheetos have that red 40 dye in them that makes ADHD worse. Probably should stay away from that one for sure. Cheetos in general are not great. I don't think there's anything natural in that snack at all. I think if you want something cheese flavored, you should probably just stick with cheese. All right, you guys, let's get into this first story about Brett Favre, but I got to take a sip of coffee first because, man, no energy. Once again, Dot and I were listening to Nat King Cole before tonight's show to get in the mood for some conversational chatting. And I have such a fun time listening to Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole and people like that really is kind of grounding for a young person because they just don't make music like that anymore. Brett Favre calls for Fox boycott over Tucker Carlson's departure. Carlson has remained relatively quiet in the wake of his show's end, but Vanity Fair has a piece about what they think they're gonna, he's going to be doing next. Let's read this about this interesting crossover between sports and politics. Former NFL quarterback Brett Favre called on Monday for a boycott of Fox News after the network parted ways with popular former host Tucker Carlson. I'm with Tucker. Time to boycott Fox until they come to their senses and let the man speak, Favre said via Twitter while resharing a clip from the Megyn Kelly show. So let's see this tweet. Oh, it's still up. Oh, only people that he tagged can reply. I'm here for it. You have the right to curate your experience on Twitter. And people sometimes come after me because I don't really wish to entertain the DeSantis-Trump debate in my mentions. So I turn off some of the replies when I tweet about Ron DeSantis. And I say, look, I'm just giving you this information. Don't really want to have a debate with you. I don't care whatever. There's too much infighting already. Don't really want to create more. So people give me a hard time for that. But at the end of the day, it is your Twitter and you do get decide to decide who responds to you. Now, if you have somebody like Randy uh, Weingarten, who never has replies turned on, it's pretty clear to see that she's afraid of 
being roasted for every single tweet she puts out, which she absolutely would be. And for good reason, because she knows that she's incredibly unpopular because of what she did during the pandemic. Very interesting of Brett to say this, though. In the clip, Kelly warned her viewers that the network was counting on the audience to return in spite of their furor over Carlson's departure. Kelly, a former Fox News personality herself, appeared to be speaking to the mindset of network executives on how to best weather sharp the cl- sharp decline in ratings following the end of the Tucker Carlson tonight. They are banking on you coming back to them. They've got a debate in August. You can't resist. You'll go. You'll forgive everything. They're banking on it, she, requ- she said. DeSantis is likely to announce this month, you're going to turn on Fox News, you can't go to CNN, you're not going to go to Newsmax, you're not going to go to digital media, you're going to tune into the Fox News primetime, your lapdogs, it's what you always do. Oh, she's challenging the Fox audience, good for her. It's how they have billions, that's what's happening here. Keep him silent on the sidelines for as long as possible, unable to use his voice, and we will win in the end like we always do, she continued. A series of clips in which Carlson made unpopular statements following Kelly's diatribe. A series of clips in which Carlson made unpopular statements followed Kelly's diatribe. Okay. The entire video was accompanied by the instrumental lines of Metallica's Sad But True. Carlson has remained relatively quiet in the wake of his show's end. The network, meanwhile, has filled his time slot with a rotating series of hosts with former White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany currently holding the time slot. Well... That's very interesting. I'm kind of surprised that Brett said that. Are you guys familiar with Brett Brett Favre? I'm not familiar if he's ever, I'm not familiar with any of his previous political stances. Good for him though. He is a very merit-oriented person. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a very, very, very good at what he did when he played football. So he would be the first to probably side with conservatives because he recognizes the importance of meritocracy. Honestly, good for him. I thought that was super interesting. So we're going to look next at what Vanity Fair has to say about Tucker Carlson's big new plans. Thanks, uh, Andy. He says, Brett Favre. Yeah, how how do you pronounce it? <laughs> Andy says, Brett Dasovic is pretty good at Farver Nugans. Okay, so apparently there's a rollerblading mo- rollerblading move called a Favre. I don't, I don't even know what it's called. Consult with Andy in the chat. It's related to Brett Favre's last name, and I have no idea. He was like, well, I could probably tweet about this, except only me and Brett you know, Dasovic would understand it. I was like, please don't tweet about anything that niche because no one else is going to understand it. Goodness gracious. Whisper says, just boycott Fox because it's Fox for sure. Farfig Newton says Keenan. Yes, exactly. Dick's, D- Dick Dirk says, Brett Favre turned MVP into more Vicodin, please. Interesting. Not familiar with any of his past actions. You guys will have to fill me in. Here's a headline from Vanity Fair, which I've never used as a source before, but they were some of the most interesting providers of information when it came to kind of spitballing about why Tucker got, Tucker got fired. Tucker Carlson plots next moves after Fox News, and it could get even messier than it already is. Good. I'm here for it. The ousted right-wing host is said to be considering building his own media empire and hosting alternative election debates, but first he has to get out of his Fox contract, and he's reportedly willing to go DEFCON 1 to make that happen. Thanks, Charlotte. Life after Fox is apparently taking shape for Tucker Carlson. He has, aside from some comments to the Daily Mail, spoken... He has, okay, so aside from some comments to the Daily Mail, spoken publicly since his firing once in a video on Twitter that has since racked up 81 million views where he bashed the media industry and America's political order. I mean, yeah, who could blame him? Now, nearly two weeks after the right-wing host was ousted from his primetime perch at Fox News, reports are trickling out about what might be next for Carlson, including a campaign against his former employer. Carlson is preparing to unleash allies to attack Fox News in an effort to bully the network into letting him work for or start a right-wing rival. Axios reported Sunday, citing a close Carlson friend who said the whole ex... Excuse me, let me try that again. I just can't read tonight, guys. It's one of those nights who said that while the ex-Fox host initially said he wanted to be quiet and clean in negotiating his exit with Fox... Now we're going from peacetime to DEFCON 1. His team is preparing for war. He wants his freedom. 
Can't blame him. A Carlson source told Axios that the ousted TV personality knows where a lot of bodies are buried and is ready to start drawing a map. Oh boy, that sounds like fun. Fox News declined to comment beyond their statement from April when they agreed to part ways with Carlson. We thank him for his service to the network, the network said at the time. Carlson's current contract expires January 2025 after the presidential election. To get back on the air before then, he needs Fox News to agree to a deal that would allow him to work elsewhere. The New York Times reported, noting that such a deal could require him to forfeit millions of dollars he is owed by the network. Carlson was reportedly making as much as $20 million a year at Fox News. The idea that anyone is going to silence Tucker and prevent him from speaking to his audience is beyond preposterous. Brian Friedman, the powerhouse Hollywood lawyer whom Tucker has hired for the contract dispute, told Axios. There's no shortage of places that Carlson could go with right-wing outlets like Newsmax, One American News Network, and faith-based Trinity Broadcast Network all reportedly approaching Carlson. Newsmax's proposal goes so far as to include rebranding Newsmax under Tucker's name, according to the Washington Post. Wow. And according to Axios, Carlson is busy plotting a media empire of his own, such as a direct consumer media outlet with his millions of fans, could pay to watch him. Sounds interesting. Carlson and his team have also discussed the possibility of moderating a candidate forum outside of the traditional protocol surrounding the GOP primary debate system, according to The Post, an idea he's discussed with Donald Trump. His availability to do that is also unclear given the non-compete aspect of his Fox contract. I would love to see that. I absolutely love the idea of him putting together a non-biased, neutral but like actually neutral, not like CNN neutral, actually caring about the truth could be a really, really interesting forum for a GOP debate. How quickly, if at all, Fox will agree to let Carlson get back out there, be it on his own platform or that of a rival, remains to be seen. Things between Carlson and his former employer, whose ratings have plummeted since his departure, seem to have gotten messier in recent days. There have been a slew of leaks, like the behind-the-scenes video from Carlson's set, excuse me, that Media Matters published showing Carlson seething at the Dominion lawyer who questioned him as part of the company's billion-dollar defamation suit against Fox and making sexist, ugh, pearl-clutching from Vanity Fair here and crude comments. Well, Vanity Fair would never be crude. My goodness. Heavens. Lawyers for Fox sent a cease and desist order to the organization late last week, as if Fox weren't the ones leaking this. Give me a break. Uh, Fox did not consent to its distribution or publication, and Fox does not consent to its further distribution or publication, the letter said. Yeah, okay, Fox. There was also a Times report of the previously redacted text message obtained in the discovery process of the Dominion, in which Carlson's views about race and violence, oh my, he probably was saying that he wanted to commit violence against people of different races, right? Not at all. You guys all know what he said. There were six words that the mainstream media seized on. Yes, seized on. They were pouncing all over this because Tucker Carlson said, quote, that's not how white men fight because a bunch of them had ganged up on one Antifa thug. And then he immediately went on to say, I stopped myself because I noticed that how I was feeling was not who I wanted to be. But of course, they can't talk about that. They have to focus exclusively on him saying this about how white men fight. Give me a freaking break. Give me a break. The Daily Beast reported that other previously unreported text messages that were part of the court filings from the Dominion case, including ones in which Carlson used the C word for at least the second time to refer to Trump lawyer and conspiracy theorist Sidney Powell. Oh my. Well, I'm sure the Daily Beast was all in for Sidney freaking Powell, right? Yeah, that's why they're defending her now. Give me a break. I bet you a nickel that the Daily Beast would have been the first in line for the C word pass for somebody like Sidney Powell or honestly, somebody like Melania Trump or Kaylee McEnany or Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Please spare me your pearl clutching. Not interested in that. Fox is clearly looking to limit the turmoil as lawyers for the network on Friday asked lawyers for Dominion to probe the leaked Carlson messages, Reuters reported. This just gets kind of into the drama about the leaks, and I think it's really silly to assume that Fox had nothing to do with those leaks because it seems like just the kind of petty, you know, backstabbing that you would expect from his former employees, at least I would. Like, I've seen this kind of back and forth between employees and their former employees, and it's just never good. Everyone has ultimately refused to be professional with one another. And frankly, Tucker's been much more professional with Fox 
than even Fox has been with him with it. The way that they fired him was incredibly unprofessional and seriously kind of gross. But Tucker has been nice. He's been very professional. I hope that he does go DEFCON 1 because I would love to see him do something super interesting and he does need to be freed of his agreement with Fox. They were the ones who fired him. So I'm really curious how that ends up playing out. Andy says Fox or a Fox employee certainly did the leak 100%. Uh, Keenan says heavens to Murgatroyd even. So Murgatroyd was actually spelled M-U-R-M-U-R-G-A-T-R-O-Y-D. Andy will tell you. For some reason, Andy knows how to spell heavens to Murgatroyd. I have no idea what it's from. It's a really interesting turn of phrase. Dirk says, I didn't know ads could break into live shows. I've had three so far. I'm sorry to hear that. Tonight we were trying something new where they could possibly drop an ad into the middle of the stream. We won't do that next time if it's so frequent. Let me know how that works out for you guys. Zach says, how do white men fight? Question mark emoji. I think his implication was that they don't gang up on one person. Um, And I don't know if that's fair analysis. I would like to see statistics on that. Um, Just kind of a silly thing, kind of offhand thing to say. If he hadn't said that, there would have been nothing in that text for them to go after him for. And I reflected at the time that the left has never given themselves the amount of self-introspection that Tucker gave himself over the course of just that text. Like he stopped and he's like, this is this is not good. I can tell that I feel very passionately about this, but this is not the kind of person that I want to be. So I'm going to stop because I know that there are people out there who care about this Antifa kid, people who would be really, really sad if he died. And I don't want to be like them. That's acting like the left. Serenko says, would Dominion have had access to the recordings? Possibly because it would have gone to discovery and then Dominion would have been able to get into pretty much everything. Andy says, I'm getting ad breaks every 10 seconds. That's too much. In fact, I actually can go in and change that right now. Let me see if I can edit that real fast. Let's try that. We're gonna turn that off and see if that fixes it. So let me know if that fixes it. That is just too much. Keenan says, there's something about Mary. She used to date Brett, but she'd rather meet the parents, LOL. You're just throwing a bunch of movie titles in there. That's silly. Thanks, Keenan. Zach says, Tucker to go work for Tim Pool, except that Tim has less money than Tucker. Yeah, I don't know that that would work. Although it would be really cool to see him as a guest on Timcast IRL. That would have been my crowning achievement if I'd been able to get him. We got Joe Rogan, but we never got Tucker Carlson. Tucker was just too darn busy. Good times. Uh, Cliff says, heavens to Murgatroyd. I'm not familiar. Interesting. Tucker fired like a human cannonball run. Lids is too young to know the classic Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. So I have heard the expression. I don't know what it's from. There you go. Cultural reference. I don't get Add it to the list it's because I haven't seen that many movies. Here is something else that was super interesting. So we're going to divert a little bit from the Tucker Carlson drama because this is really important too. This is from Just the News, uh, headed by John Solomon, whom we love. DHS bystander trainings single out pro-lifers, government critics, that would be me and that would be Andy, as radicalization suspects. That's great. It's good to know that we're on every single possible list. Clergy, spouses, bartenders should keep tabs on, quote, middle-aged women, I'm getting there, who are, quote, increasingly fervent against abortion. No, I just started out at like level 11. I've just never come down. White men who rant about government online. Andy doesn't really do that. He only rants about government in person, which is for the best, and go to rallies, which he also doesn't do. Domestic terrorism, excuse me, domestic terrorism materials say. So it's like they printed out leaflets or something and they point out how terrible and dangerous people exactly like me and my husband are. So that's nice. Nine, Nine days after President Biden's inauguration, a Department of Homeland Security office proposed creating several choose your own adventure videos to show Americans how to identify and mitigate radicalization and potential violence. Yeah, we all know that those pro-lifers, man, they're just burning down abortion clinics. Oh, wait, no, that's pro, pro-aborts who are setting crisis pregnancy centers on fire and writing things like, if abortion's not safe, neither are you. And that is a group called Jane's Revenge has committed multiple of these acts. No one's ever done anything about it. And the Biden administration never will because this is exactly what we're dealing with. It feels to me like this administration is actually 
evil. Um, and I completely agree with Tucker and his heritage speech on this point because it feels like an ontological battle between good and evil. And I'm not saying conservatism is necessarily the good to the left wing's evil, but it certainly feels like there's a very spiritual factor here that we need to take into account. Among the Americans that worry uh, the sprawling bureaucracy created in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attacks, middle-aged pro-life women, white men who question the government, and divorced mothers who suspect, quote, government connections to child abuse and trafficking. Wow. Just going to let that sit there for a second because that is really sinister. If you suspect that there might be a connection between the federal government and some things that dare not be mentioned on the show about everyone's favorite island owner, for example, and the head of the CIA flying with that person or having visits with him, um, then you are on, pretty much can consider yourself to be on part of a terrorist watch list. Absolutely nuts. The Center for Prevention Programs and Partnerships, then known as the Office for Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention, came up with five scenarios with three scenes each. The proposal would present unspecified viewers acting as bystanders with difficult choices that approximate real-life decisions, and a DHS employee would explain the consequences of those choices. Four of the five scenarios feature viewpoints typically ascribed to elements of the political right. The outline is dated January 29th, 2021, part of the larger cache of documents related to DHS domestic terrorism programs obtained under the Freedom of Information Act. America First Legal shared them with Just the News. Your moral beliefs on abortion and anti-government opinions are being expanded into a new category of crime that will be policed using your own taxpayer dollars. The Foundation for Freedom Online, which has also reviewed the FOIA cache, told Just the News. It's not clear whether the specific videos were ever created, and if so, to whom they were shown and over what period. DHS did not respond to Just the News queries Sunday, but the department has awarded at least one grant for creation of Choose Your Own Adventures Cyber Education, according to Winning Vote Vendors 2014 press release. The DHS Cybersecurity Division's 2017 Technology Guide cites a partnership with the same vendor for CYOA, that would be Choose Your Own Adventure, and comic-based education and evaluation. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, a five-year-old DHS component, also creates comic-related graphic novels to steer public opinion, sounds like propaganda, on what qualifies as misinformation, and the State Department Office does the same with internet games. They did not wait long after Biden was put into office to get this particular ball rolling. Fascinating. The FOIA cache opens with an August 25th, 2020 memo approved by James McCammond, Deputy Undersecretary in the Office of Strategy, Policy, and Plans. It cites the First Amendment as a hurdle to charging, quote, domestic terrorists seeking to exploit the COVID-19 pandemic and the recent civil unrest, referring to racial protests spurred by the killing of George Floyd. This sounds like the Patriot Act. Change my mind. Even as McCammon's memo claims the government does not and should not investigate individuals based solely on their ideology, the five scenarios single out specific ideologies as worthy of scrutiny from spouses, siblings, teammates, roommates, neighbors, bartenders, hairdressers, professors, and clergy. The former, the format resembles the FBI's reported visits to mosques in 2014. Yeah, sounds like Patriot Act stuff, doesn't it? To pressure Muslim leaders to identify current and nascent terrorists in their congregations and communities, apparently the result of then Attorney General Eric Holder's, so this would be under Obama, announced pilot program to enlist, quote, religious leaders to counter violent extremism. The middle-aged pro-life advocate scenario describes a married woman, Anne, who has become increasingly devout since her mother's death and increasingly more fervent about her pro-life stance. When she asks her pastor if the Bible justifies violence in defense of life, the pastor's choices are counseling Anne, talking to her husband about changes in behavior, excuse me, a clergy going to a spouse and talking about changes in behavior is unbelievably dystopian. If someone, if if our pastor were to approach Andy and talk to him about your wife, she might need some changes in behavior, we would immediately leave that church because that's disgusting. For the government to meddle in the workings of a church is beyond like morally and spiritually repulsive. I am so disgusted. And we're going to look at what the FBI 
did with the Catholic Church, too, because Jim um, Jim Jordan went in and subpoenaed the FBI to get more information about that. They had a whole um, hearing about it. So really interesting stuff there. I just am so weirded out by all of this stuff. And it appears to have been going on for a really long time. It looks like almost 10 years in some form or another. So from going to mosques to talking about pro-life women to talking about anti-government free thinkers, that's disturbing. That's disturbing. And I feel like everybody uh, ways back when the Patriot Act first went to effect should have been able to tell that this was coming because a lot of people were saying, you know, it's a terrorist today. It'll be you tomorrow. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening. Okay, so changes in behavior or quizzing a member of Anne's church group on her recent interests. So you're either going to be talking to her spouse about government approves changes in behavior or spying on her by talking to people in groups that she frequents and trying to figure out if she's going to do something crazy. Goodness gracious. When Anne shouts baby killer at the mayor's ribbon cutting for a bakery, the owner can call her husband or pastor for more information or visit Anne's house to, quote, chat. Call the sheriff is the first suggestion when during a hairdresser appointment, Anne vaguely calls for putting a stop to the Planned Parenthood office and shows the hairdresser videos of violent protesters on her phone. The hairdresser can also talk to staff about their impressions of Anne's behavior or research the groups she mentions. Imagine if somebody were to show a hairdresser videos from the 2020 Summer of Love from the George Floyd riots that killed almost 40 people and cost billions in property damages and tons, thousands probably of business owners their entire life's work. Just imagine what the government would think about showing someone videos from those protests. they think it was great. They would think that you should show everybody those videos and you should encourage other people to join those protests and those riots. And I guarantee you, if somebody wanted to come back to this video, if they were researching me, for example, for the crime of being pro-life, they could easily pull up a bunch of videos where I say things like, yes, I'm pro-life. I really don't like Planned Parenthood. I don't like abortion. What are you going to do about it? I will never call for violence. I don't think that's the way forward. I've constantly talked about how cultural change is the way to fix these problems. But with the way these things are creeping, I really don't think that's going to be a roadblock for them if they decide to go after people like me. That's disturbing. I don't like that. And that makes me feel like you're going to be more safe in a red state than you would be in a blue state. I was just reading a story from local um, sources talking about a family who had two boys. One of them ended up going into the hospital for pneumonia. They took an x-ray of him and it was discovered that he had a mostly healed fracture in one of his ribs. Social workers came and talked to the parents. Parents had no idea what that, what had happened here. Um, they heard nothing more of it for like almost a year. And then Child Protective Services and the police showed up at their home at one in the morning and took their infant and their three-year-old son from their care without a warrant. And that kind of thing has sketched me out and skewed me out hardcore for a really long time. I think that I talk a lot about the great sort, about being places where you know that people are not going to disagree with you or to view you as actual enemies. And I personally believe that's probably the strongest case that could possibly be made for trying to move into a red state as soon as possible. Um, I don't believe we're going to have a civil war. I do think that normal people, like everyday people, have much more in common with other everyday people than we might think we do. But when it comes down to the government using these weapons against us, we need to be cautious. We need to be careful. We need to be aware this might be something that happens. And the ordinary person, despite what the founding fathers thought should be the case, are mostly um, have their hands tied, which is a very difficult situation to be in. Very frustrating. I totally get it. This is, this, this article is super disturbing and let okay, so let's finish this article and then I want to look at what Jim Jordan's up to because he's doing good stuff and I appreciate his work. Uh, much distaste as I have for the GOP. A scenario titled anti-government authority, abusive parent slash stepdad describes a married father, Pete, who doesn't interact much with neighbors and goes out to drink. Oh my. You mean like the typical uh, non-social male? They say that something like 15% of men have a single friend. 
When a friend sees him post on some radical site with violent tendencies, the friend can keep closer tabs on his social media, call his wife, or ask him at softball next week about his interest in the groups. A neighbor who witnesses Pete yell at his wife, make threatening gestures, and storm out of the house can ask the wife or Pete what happened or be more attentive to the couple's activities. So they want you to spy on your neighbors. They want you to be nosy. They, this is literally, this feels very Soviet to me because at the end of the Soviet Union, I forget exactly the timeline, but by the time the Soviet Union collapsed, one in five people there were informants. That means somebody in your family was going to be ratting you out to the government. That's exactly what this feels like. So I'm really glad that between the Obama administration and the Biden administration, this is where we are now. This is very exciting. This is why we need to win in 2024. This is why we need someone who can win. Although more on that later because Biden's approval ratings are not great. Pete's bartender should take note of when he brings in new groups of friends who talk about going to a political rally and messing with counter-protesters. Oh my. So you need to be listening. You need to be always listening. So even if you don't have like a bug, a technological bug planted, you can just keep your ears open and try to hear if someone says something that you might not agree with politically. The bartender can discreetly ask him how he met them or call Pete's old drinking buddy so you can literally go behind this person's back call a former friend and ask questions about that person. And this is a burden that they're putting on literally a bartender, someone who has no interest or care about what Pete does in his off time. I have to say, I don't think that most ordinary Americans are really going to engage with this. I don't think this is going to be very important to them. And I think that Americans are kind of individualistic enough that they're just going to be like, "Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. That sounds like a lot of extra trouble for nothing. However, if they do start to do things like offer rewards for information, I could see that going downhill quickly. Um, And I think that at the end of the day, we just have to be super careful about who we spend time with and basically live like we're living in 1984, like someone is constantly listening to us, trying to monitor everything we're doing, which is an exciting future, but it is possibly where we're going to be at down the road very shortly. Or the bartender can ask other staff about how Pete's behavior has changed. Now, Courtney, a divorced mother of two in a new town, has become, quote, fixated on conspiracy theories on government involvement in hurting children, according to another scenario. A high school friend who follows Courtney on social media and notices her increasing anger can call her ex-husband, who I'm sure will have nothing but good things to say about her, monitor her posts or messages, so just spy, uh, or message her about how things are going in the new city. How about you just be a friend to this person? Okay, how about you be a friend and not involve the government and do everything in your power to encourage peaceful interaction with others? How about that? How about you listen to them if they decide to rant and ask questions about what they've been discovering and kind of poke holes in what they're thinking? How how about you take the Socratic uh, method and just ask them questions like, why would this happen this way? Or what would happen here? What's the proof you can offer of this? Why don't you just be a friend. Like we just were talking about the CDC report about how incredibly lonely people are lately. And here they are telling people, and it looks like they were telling people in the past, (coughs) although we don't know how deep this went, to keep very close tabs on other people. Well, I can't imagine why that would drive people apart. Can you? When Courtney launches into a tirade against, quote, several specific public figures at dinner with her mother and boyfriend, the mother can ask Courtney why she's so angry, question the boyfriend on where these theories might be coming from, or call a crisis hotline. Okay, so you can connect directly to the government if you are concerned about the way your family member is thinking. That's wild to me. Absolutely insane. The boyfriend notices her open browser windows. Okay, so you're going to be spying some more that suggest a path toward violence based on conspiracies involving public figures. Yeah, because the public figures in our lives are the most important people, the only people who matter. For example, our favorite island owner is much more important than a nobody like Courtney. She's just a divorced mother of two. Really, what does she matter? She doesn't even have any name recognition. Give me a break. This is this is infuriating to me because the idea of getting into people's interpersonal relationships and encouraging them to rat on each other is just 
nauseating. And maybe it's because of the way I was raised. My parents were very, very involved in all of our online doings, which I respect in retrospect. I appreciate, but at the same time, it felt sometimes very much like a violation of privacy. And I really, really did not like it. And you constantly hear about people saying, you know, if you try to monitor everything your kid does, you're just going to get a super secretive child who's willing to hide everything from you. Completely agree. And I feel like I feel such a strong sense of revulsion to this kind of like trying to plant these kinds of ideas into people's minds and encourage people to do this kind of thing. I'm grossed out. And I don't talk very often about 1984, but if you are living in a world where you have to feel like, like literally sitting in this room right now, there's no one else here, but the window is open. And I happen to know that the neighbor could probably hear me because sometimes I can hear her out in their backyard because we live close to her neighbor. Now, do I need to be concerned that my neighbor is going to be listening about everything that I tell you guys in a show like this? Maybe. That feeling is not good for people. That does not foster cultural trust of other people. That is despicable. When the government goes into your dealings with other people on a personal level, that is the time to start asking very serious questions and to 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 run the risk of being on the same level of court as Courtney. I don't think that anyone who's telling you to dive into your family members, neighbors, friends, personal business with the obvious end goal of possibly reporting them to a government agency that does not foster cultural strength, that does not encourage friendship, that does not reduce loneliness. And I don't want to hear the government talk anymore at all about loneliness if this is what they're going to be pushing in around the sides. So deep breath. Hell Saint 28 says, I try to stray from commenting politically, but hair down lids equals hair up is greater than hair up lids. Thank you for your commentary in that regard. I appreciate that. Cliff says, imagine your sister ratting you out to the government for criticizing Lizzo. Exactly. I feel like that's kind of where we're going. It's disturbing. Slicky Sticky says, you're streaming to the internet, so there's that. Exactly. Well, the person living next door to me doesn't know my channel. All she knows is that I'm talking to someone sounds like maybe a group of people, probably live streaming, who knows? And all she has to do is be like, okay, well, I heard my neighbor say this. I'm really concerned about it. Next thing you know, we're going to have crisis hotlines where you can call and be like, hey, my neighbor said this. I'm concerned. Do you want to come check them out by chance? Oh yeah, by the way, she has kids. She sounds pretty angry. just want to make sure that she's not abusing them. That'd be terrible. Yeah, disgusting, disgusting stuff. Keenan says, Trad Queen Story Hour is not advertiser friendly in Canada or Australia. That's fine. Randy asks, Tucker has a channel now? Not yet, not yet. As we talked about earlier, he needs to get out of his contract with Fox first. Stuart says, they are coming for your children. Yes, there was a whole song from a gay men's chorale about how they were, in fact, planning to come for your children. And last I heard, they actually took that down because they got so much backlash over it, which I could not be happier to hear about. Seeing the backlash we're able to exert on companies like Anheuser-Busch, which ordinarily most people would probably have always thought was totally untouchable is very encouraging. Like getting this gay men's corral to take this song down, getting some of these um, pride events to cancel. There was a pride event in Florida that canceled because DeSantis said, um, yeah, you can have your event. You just can't have kids around. And they're like, okay, we're not doing it then, which was kind of interesting, kind of telling just a little bit. Zach says, I have come to think that limeade is the finest of beverages. That's a good point. I think that's a great idea. Keenan adds coconut and lime. Very good additions, you guys. Cliff says, Germany was full of normal citizens in the 30s and 40s. Yes, ordinary men. Those, though, were just the men, the policemen who just followed orders, who ended up doing terrible things for the Nazis. All right, you guys, we're going to look at this now since we're talking about how the government can target churches. This is from back in April. Jim Jordan subpoenas the FBI over allegedly targeting Catholic churches. Everybody said this was no big deal. You know, it was just a one-off thing using the SPLC to talk about church extremism. Not so much. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan issued new subpoenas to the FBI on Monday, demanding information about the agency's alleged source development, source development targeting Catholic churches in Richmond, Virginia. Why it matters. It's one of several angles that the the new weaponization committee is using to investigate the FBI. Yes, this is a good one. We should investigate all of them. 
The committee has questions on the agency's handling of the Hunter Biden laptop story and subpoenaed the FBI as part of its probe into alleged bias in the government's investigations of school board protesters. Right, because the Biden administration, remember, was questioned over whether they were asked if they would start to identify parents who were attending school protests as domestic terrorists. It sounds like, based on what we just read, like that would not be a far cry. Jim Jordan claims a subpoena that, based on limited information provided the committee, the FBI relied on at least one undercover agent to produce its analysis and proposed that its agent engage in outreach to Catholic parishes to develop sources among the clergy and church leadership to inform on Americans practicing their faith. Before we go on, I have to say, I know very little about the actual function of the Catholic Church, but I do understand that if you say something in confession to a clergy member, there is an absolute unbreakable seal of privacy that clergy member cannot disclose that information to anyone, to anyone. And that includes very, I mean, ostensibly, very specifically to government agents, to spouses, to pretty much anybody who's asking questions about someone's behavior, because the understanding with confession is that you are coming to God, you're going accountably to your priest, and you're talking about something that you have regrets for. And in order to obtain forgiveness, like full understanding of what happened and why you didn't and everything, if you want to receive that forgiveness, you need to be fully forthright and you need to understand that you can tell the truth. So that's why they do that. And you guys, if you are Catholics in the chat section, let me know about that. I don't know all the details on there. I got to get Seamus on here. He's very busy as well. Oh, let's see here. The committee sent multiple letters to the FBI asking for information on a memo that was reported on largely by conservative and religious outlets earlier this year. Yeah, because why would anyone in the mainstream media care if the Catholic Church was targeted? Because Joe Biden says he's Catholic constantly, but we know he's not. We know he doesn't care about that. The memo allegedly cited concerns about radical traditionalist Catholic ideology and suggested developing sources in local parishes. So they're sending spies into these churches. In fact, they did, in at least one instance, do exactly that. We now know the FBI, relying on information derived from at least one undercover employee, sought to use local religious organizations as new avenues for tripwire and source development, Jordan tweeted, citing materials provided to the committee. I saw the document. It's appalling. Attorney General Merrick Garland said about the memo at the hearing last month before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So, Merrick Garland confirmed that it was very real and very disturbing. Garland added that the FBI withdrew the memo. Oh, of course. So I'm sure this isn't going on anymore, right? This would not have been the first time questions have been raised over the FBI's targeting certain religious groups. Here we go. Three Muslim Americans brought a lawsuit against the FBI in 2011, claiming the agency violated the Constitution and federal laws and spying on their communities based on their religion. Yeah. Man, once again, Patriot Act, what can I say? It just continues. It was totally setting the stage for all this stuff. So let's look at this one next. The FBI's Catholicism memo is no laughing matter from Ashley McGuire. She's with the Catholic Association, so that's her bias. All right, so she starts with a quote. It's okay to be Roman Catholic, right? That was the question Congressman Jeff Vandrew posed to an FBI official in a recent investigation hearings uh, run by Congressman Jim Jordan. Somebody answer me, please. Van Drew followed up after an awkward silence. Why was there an awkward silence if the question was just, is it okay to be Roman Catholic? Kind of telling. You'll forgive him for asking. The hearings ignored almost entirely, save for a handful of conservative news outlets, was looking into the leaked FBI memo alleging some kind of tie between what it called, quote, radical traditionalist Catholic ideology and violent extremism. The FBI is now being sued over its failure to comply with a standard FOIA request to release emails discussing its contents. The agency's recalcitrance is unsurprising given the, memo the memo's appalling contents. In its title, the memo states that racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly present new mitigation opportunities. Mitigation opportunities, huh? That sounds interesting. It discusses new avenues for tripwire and source development, including through outreach to traditional Catholic parishes and the development of sources with the placement and access to report on these supposed extremists, among others. 
That's jargon for get local priests and parishioners to spy on fellow mass goers. The memo is almost laughable. Some FBI rookie clearly read too many spy novels and got out his cover or got out over his or her skis writing it, but it was no novel. It was a very real memo proposing an FBI operation of spying on people of certain religious beliefs in their houses of worship. And it appears to have been initially approved, though later disavowed by people way higher up than the memo's author. Representative Jordan's subpoena states that whistleblowers have told his committee that the FBI distributed the memo to field offices across the country and considered expanding its operation to include mainline Catholic churches and local diocesan leadership. It is all the more deranged when you consider that Roman Catholics are currently the targets of an alarming pattern of attacks, many of them by actual violent extremists who don't like the church's position on issues like abortion. According to a tracker maintained by Catholic Vote, since the May 2022 leak of the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, there have been nearly 150 attacks on Catholic churches. Since Catholic Vote began tracking in May 2020, that number is over 300. One of these attacks was perpetrated against a church two miles from my home where I personally have worshipped and where some of my daughter's friends go to school. Arsonists knocked over statues, desecrated the tabernacle, and tore down the stations of the cross. The priest did not mince words in his response. I believe that this is because of the church's stand on the issue of life, he told the press, when it begins and that it should be protected and that this is one of the manifestations of the deep divisions right now within our country, that there are those who believe that we do not have even the right to practice our faith. The response from the Justice Department, the FBI, and a president who likes to tout his Catholic bona fides has been another long, awkward silence. And if no one has any doubt, and if anyone has any doubt as to whether abortion was an underlying issue motivating the FBI's investigation, the memo explicitly cites anti-abortion activism as a hallmark of what defines a radically traditionalist Catholic. I have to say, I did not expect my position on abortion to be the thing that got me put on that final list. I assumed that I was on all the rest of them just for working with Timcast. And then there is the fundamental question of who, in the eyes of the FBI, counts as a radical traditionalist Catholic. Do I, for example? I'm not even a Catholic churchgoer. Who makes that call? In the case of the memo, it was a Southern Poverty Law Center, which the agency explicitly credited with the definition. If you'll recall, they immediately walk that back because they know how biased the SPLC is, but they don't care. And what gives the government the right to decide which forms of Christianity are acceptable and which are not? Well, it's easy to see. The acceptable forms are the churches like the Unitarian Universalist Church and the Presbyterian Church of the USA that are openly liberal, like wildly crazy left-leaning, with just the bare visage of being a religious institution, but, you know, hidden behind a rainbow flag. Those churches are fine. They don't take any stance on actual pro-life messages. They don't take any positions on the Bible. All are welcome here. Just more of the same unity, diversity, and inclusion, all that other stuff we hear about every single day from all the rest of our institutions. The churches who choose to actually stand apart and stand by actual biblical principles, they are the ones who the FBI are going to go after. Stuart, confession is a sacrament, is between you and God, and why no one is allowed to reveal what you have confessed. Exactly. Yes, 100%. So it's even higher than HIPAA, right? So with HIPAA, you have super, super carefully guarded information about individual patients to protect their privacy and prevent anyone from using any of that information against them. Very much the same for confession, but even stronger because ultimately you are answering to God, according to the Catholic Church, not just to other people. Not with Catholics, be assured. Let's not forget that this is the same FBI that was caught investigating parents labeled domestic terrorists because they were upset their kids were locked out of public schools for 18 months during the COVID pandemic. The FBI isn't entirely off, however, in its idea that the federal government could learn a lot by sending agents to mass. Yes, definitely. The other day at a Sunday mass, it occurred to me that that hour is the only time all week that I spend under the same roof with the elderly, disabled, children of all ages, people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and races, and people of varying political beliefs. Catholic churches, like so many other houses of worship, are among just a handful of remaining threads holding a disintegrating society together. So, of course... Of course, the federal government needs to get their foot in on that because they can't have a patch 
of our culture that is staying together without their direct interference actually infuriating and you can take that to your nearest federal branch like your nearest crisis hotline if you so desire but this is very troubling and i think that anybody of good conscience would agree with that a government looking to quell violent extremism should be setting the few remaining ties that bind us instead of trying to sever them yes but they don't want us to be united they don't they truly truly don't like there is a reason that they're pushing this kind of stuff there's a reason they are pushing division they're trying to pretend that trying to unify us we know that this is not the case they are lying they want division they want fear they want us relying on them not on our churches andy thank you for joining us sir yes like share subscribe we rely on you guys 100 percent stevie says mitigation opportunities sounds like they are excited about their massive overreach it does doesn't it it doesn't it Keenan says, cop, turn around, me. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely, me, gets tased. Yes, I don't think that's how you're supposed to respond to the cop's order to turn around. They're not trying to sing the song with you. Keenan says, is an itinerant Catholic different from a Roman Catholic? I have no idea. That's a great question. We should ask some Catholics. CV says, federal agencies should not be looking for opportunities to mitigate any religious community. Right, but this is exactly what we dived into after 9-11, we started talking about the Patriot Act and trying to prevent terrorism. And we said, well, sure, if we're just going to go after, you know, foreigners who might be up to no good, then that should be okay, right? Well, knowing the government, that's exactly how they get their foot in the door. All right, you guys, I want to touch on the Biden approval rating or lack thereof. And we're going to start with this article also from Just the News. Wall Street Journal board says Biden's nothing wrong comment complicates the justice probe on his son, Hunter. He is essentially telling prosecutors that they are wrong to bring an indictment because Hunter is innocent of any criminal behavior, the board said. Interesting comments from Joe Biden. Uh, Hopefully they give us the full context here. I don't know if you guys saw that. The Wall Street Journal editorial board says President Biden has inappropriately gotten involved in the Justice Department's investigation into his son, Hunter Biden, saying on TV that he has done, quote, nothing wrong. That is a highly inappropriate message from a president. He's essentially telling prosecutors that they are wrong to bring an indictment against Hunter because he's innocent of any criminal behavior, the board wrote Sunday in response to Biden's comments during an interview Friday with MSNBC. Biden said during the interview, my son has done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him and it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. So, yes. A man in a position of Joe Biden's should never be saying anything like this because if any criminal investigation comes out against Hunter Biden, if an indictment comes down the line, (coughs) excuse me, people are going to be biased one way or another around Hunter. The board acknowledges how some may say a father defending his son is natural, but pointed out the Justice Department is part of the executive branch. That's correct, which he runs. His comments came as the department is considering charging the younger Biden with tax fraud and lying on his firearms applications. Hunter Biden is reportedly going to be indicted on these charges soon. Really looking forward to that. The board also said Biden's claims about his son's innocence complicates the job of federal prosecutors. If Hunter Biden is not indicted, many Americans will assume that his father used his political influence. So the president should avoid feeding those suspicions with public statements such as the comments he made on Friday. The board also said, well, it's pretty safe to assume right now that Biden will do everything in his power to exert as much political influence as he can to keep them from investigating Hunter And I mean, look at what we just talked about with investigating normal, everyday people. Like, I cannot imagine a place that this government, that this administration would be willing to stay out of. There is absolutely no reason to assume that would happen. BC Hillbilly, thank you so much for the super chat. Dancing avocado that says, keep it up. I appreciate that. I will indeed keep it up. We're going to keep it moving with this next one. White House bans New York Post from attending Biden event. And just to recap, I know Fox News is going to lay this out for us here. But the New York Post was the organization that was talking about the Hunter Biden laptop back in 2020. They were the ones who broke the story. I think it was Amanda Devine. New York Post Stephen Nelson suggests the ban is tied to coverage of Hunter Biden. Well, that would be the sane assumption. Let's see if we can listen to these comments. Well, I won't do that because anytime I play a video like this, we always get a copyright strike and then they take the video down. We don't earn much from our YouTube channel, but I do appreciate my videos being available for everybody. 
The White House barred the New York Post from attending President Biden's event on Monday, with its reporter heavily suggesting the decision is tied to the looming legal troubles for his son, Hunter. Eric, nice to see you again in the chat. Thank you for the super chat. Meow. Different Differential immigration enforcement is the biggest problem with immigration in the U.S. and East Asian jaywalks, and they're out the door tomorrow. Central Americans just asking for uniformity. Yes, the law should be applied uniformly, period. 100% completely agree. Thanks again for your super chat. New York Post White House correspondent Stephen Nelson wrote he was not given press credentials he requested on Sunday to attend Biden's remarks on investigating in investing in airline accountability. In emails obtained by Fox News Digital, White House staff replied to Nelson on Monday, we're unable to accommodate your credential request to attend the investing in airline accountability remarks on 5-8. The remarks will be live streamed and can be viewed at wh.gov. Thank you for understanding. We'll let you know if a credential becomes available, they added. That is so irritating. Nelson replied to the email with a list of questions about why he was dubbed, about what he dubbed the White House's mysterious pre-screening program that was implemented to curate which reporters can attend presidential events, pressing whether access is denied based on their coverage of the Biden administration. The White House, of course, did not respond to his inquiry. Why the White House didn't, while the White House did not indicate there was space limitations when rejecting his credentials, he did obtain a photo from the Daily Caller's White House correspondent, Diana Gibova, which showed empty seats on Monday's event, reporting there were about 20 empty press seats in total. So it was not about space. This was clearly clearly ideological. Nelson, Nelson told Fox News Digital that was relatively light interest in Monday's events since Biden hasn't taken many questions from reporters in recent months. So a lot of people didn't even RSVP. Yeah, why would they? What are you going to be able to get out of that? Nelson has a lengthy track record of grilling the White House about the scandals plaguing Hunter Biden as the New York Post has been aggressive with his reporting about the first family saga, famously breaking the bombshell report about his laptop during the 2020 presidential election. New York Post correspondent helped spearhead an open letter to the White House last year to lift any restrictions on reporters and granting access for all events, which was supported by journalists from a large swath of news organizations, including the New York Times, CNN, CBS News, Politico, and Fox News. Monday's event came just days after a reporter and federal prosecutors are nearing a decision over whether to indict the president's son over tax and gun-related violations. Again, looking forward to that. We'll see what happens there. So I'm going to wrap it here in just a minute, but I want you guys to check out all the links in the description. We have a couple other links that I didn't have time to get to. Um, talking about Biden's approval rating, 54% of Americans disapprove of the president. I looked at this graph too, and I looked at exactly when it hit, it's, it crossed over. So we went from approve, 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 approve to disapprove. That was right about September 9th, 2021. So what was happening in September 2021? Well, on the 9th, Biden withdrew David Chipman, who was his nominee to lead the ATF. And if you guys are familiar with David Chipman, if you are not, I recommend it. Google his name, David Chipman, like Doritos, and Google the word Waco, and then learn about him. And also on that day, Biden announced a new vaccine mandate that would cover 100 million Americans. And that was the day that he crossed over from being more popular to more unpopular. And he just kind of vacillated in that range over the last two years. Now, this is one of his lowest points. His lowest approval rating was 36%, and today it is 39%. So he is really reaching rock bottom, and he actually reached his lowest point just two weeks after announcing that he would be running again. So very curious what happens there. It's pretty much anybody's race at this point, but we will see. Which direction it goes? Andy says, lay off the child hunter. That's right. He is a poor child. He's just a poor boy. He's a defenseless child of the president who's been doing this for five decades and who has never been held accountable and who's done nothing but running, run around putting every conceivable white powder up his nose for the majority of his life. And you know how Joe Biden talks about how every American child is everyone's American child? Well, the only American child that Joe Biden doesn't seem to be interested is Navy Joan Roberts, who is his seventh grandchild, the illegitimate poor child of Hunter Biden, whom he conceived with a one night stand with a stripper. Poor, poor child. Her life's already been hard enough. Honestly, I'm glad that, um, 
kind of glad that the Bidens are shunning her a little bit because the Biden name does not give the clout that her mom seems to think it does. So I'm I'm kind of relieved for her that she won't get that last name, it looks like, unless, you know, Hunter Biden loses this appeal or whatever. Goodness gracious, this poor girl, she's already, jeez, man. I feel for this little girl, but oh well, she 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 deserves to be recognized as a grandchild of the president. Two ladies says, I'm just a poor boy from a poor family. Yes, that's exactly what Hunter is. I'm glad that you guys have the proper amount of sympathy for him. Stevie says, Joe has never bothered to meet his granddaughter. I'm sure that is the case. Cliff Allen says, oh God, Hunter is our child. No, <laughs> no, I don't want it. And he says, please, sir, may I have some more bribe money? Yes, that's exactly what's going on here. For sure, he is indeed an orphan. Yes, Keenan says, like everybody, hit like, share, subscribe, good times for sure. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sorry I was a little low energy this evening. Not even coffee could save me. Hopefully you guys got a little bit out of this evening's chat. You guys make sure to join us tomorrow. We have an awesome interview lined up for you. You're really going to enjoy it. I won't spoil it, but it is going to be Alex Stein. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You guys tune in tomorrow. We talked to the pimp on a blimp, Alex Stein himself, primetime Stein 99. We had a great time talking. We really kind of got into the philosophical side of things and we got to meet his cat and Dip. We got to meet Dip. Dip was on screen and we got to meet his cat too. And we had a great conversation. So definitely Mark it on your calendars. Tune in tomorrow, same time, 7 p.m. I will be in the chat. Andy will hopefully also have time to be in the chat as well. It's going to be a good show. You're going to love it. All right, but guys, until tomorrow, bye, guys. How's it going?